From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Caleb McCleskey. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, an annual game on the ice is more than a friendly competition. Uh, well, it started with a real personal reason. Um, we had at the time, 10 years ago, we had a player's mom um, diagnosed with cancer, and uh, that's when the program came together to start raising funds for uh, the American Cancer Society. And an Athens resident puts her past behind her with the help of a nonprofit organization. A person who suffers from substance use disorder is many, many more things in addition. So I think looking past the labels that we tend to put on people. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. An international movement promoting awareness of sexual and domestic violence reaches Athens. WEB reporter Peyton Simchek has more on the community event at the Athena Cinema. Chants echo on Court Street as people march to take back the night. Three, four, we won't take it anymore! The annual event has supported victims of stalking, domestic violence, and sexual assault for over 40 years. Ohio University departments and Athens community organizations put together the night to share stories and to build a support system during Sexual Assault Awareness Month. The event started at the Athena with two speakers talking about their experiences. Senior staff counselor of the Ohio University Counseling and Psychological services, Eileen Cook says the speakers were powerful. I really think people are so brave and so courageous to tell their story and share it with others and because so often um, survivors feel you know a sense of shame when they they are not at all to be blamed for um, their trauma However, they feel that and it's sometimes hard for them to come forward. Survivor advocate Caitlin Urbaniak provides support for survivors. She says it's beneficial to create a safe space to not just be silent, but to stand up and be a part of that change. Even if they're not, you know, the ones sharing their story that night, just knowing that um, you know, others are there to listen and kind of seeing that as an experience is really nice for them. Cook says the march sends a powerful message. We are here. We're going to, we're not going to be quiet. We're not going to go away. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Peyton Simchek in Athens. The annual Ohio Hockey Ice Ghost Game goes beyond a friendly competition. WAB reporter Jacob Mata speaks with players at Bird Arena for the 10th year anniversary. Ghost game dates back to 2012 and features the current Ohio hockey team versus Ohio hockey alumni, calling themselves the Ice Ghosts. Players on the Ice Ghosts date back to the class of 2012 all the way up to last year's graduates. This was Ohio hockey head coach Leo Marone's second Ice Ghost game, and he knows how much of an impact it has on the program. Yeah, well, it started with a real personal reason. Um, we had at the time, 10 years ago, we had a player's mom um, diagnosed with cancer, and uh, that's when the program came together to start raising funds for uh, the American Cancer Society. This year's game was a battle with the Ice Ghosts jumping out to an early lead, but then it was back and forth goals until regulation ended with a score of 4-4. Four to four. The game then went to a shootout and the alumni pulled out a 6-5 win for bragging rights over the current OU hockey team. Even though the alumni walked away with the win, both teams play for much more than just fun. They play for something that means more than the game. This was the 10th year the Ohio Hockey Ice Ghost game was played here at Bird Arena, and since 2012, they've been able to raise over $60,000 in donations for cancer research. 
Their goal this year was to raise $3,000, which they hit before the game was even played. Once the game was over, they ended up raising over $3,500. Andrew Saka, a senior on the team, loves the chance to get to play against his old teammates, but playing for a cause means even more. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a great cause, you know, uh, doing for cancer research, you know, hitting our goal too, so that's awesome. The alumni are grateful to play for the cause as well, and they get to come back to campus and see old teammates and how they're doing with life after Ohio hockey. It's for a good cause, so it's, it's great to uh, be back here with all your old teammates, guys that you played above and below you, and uh, see each other, have a reunion, and hang out on Court Street and catch up, uh, see how everybody's doing in their lives. And it's just a great uh, experience, and I'm glad we continue the tradition. Coach Moran was grateful for the alumni that were able to show up, and he knows that it's a great look for the program. And then it just speaks volume of our program because year after year, you got alumni from everywhere coming back to to play that game and. For us and our, our players, it's great to, to link everybody together and kind of share experiences, so it's always a fun weekend. For The Outlet, I'm Jacob Mata in Athens. The International Street Fair gives the community a chance to celebrate diversity. WEB reporter Lexi Lepoff speaks to patrons about why the festival is special. Vibrant music, delicious food, spirited performances, everyone coming together on the streets of Uptown Athens for the annual International Street Fair. This year's theme, celebrating global community. It's an awesome festival that brings all people from different walks of life together. Victor Day with the International Student Union helped organize the event and said the representation is important. We get to learn from different people, different cultures, and it helps improve our appreciation of our human diversity. Each booth showcasing a different country and culture. It's a good opportunity to show people our culture and our language and about our people. Ohio University is home to over 100 international students from all corners of the world. Ahmad Al-Rumhi from the Omani Student Association says the festival gives them the platform to raise awareness about their country. This street fair means a lot to us. Yeah, Oman is a small country and being here in these events will show our culture and tell people who we are and where we are located in the map actually. The over 40-year-old tradition celebrated the close of another successful international week at Ohio University. WAB reporter Chloe G. Workman heads to Gloucester to get the latest on the improvements made for a local park. What was once a patch of grass within the park is now home to brand new sidewalks connecting youth sports fields, playgrounds, skate parks, restrooms, and picnic areas. A survey of village residents conducted in 2019 said a sidewalk was one of the top three things they would like to see improved about the park. Melissa Earlwine, a member of Athens County CHC Coalition, says it has taken many groups to bring it all together. CHC had wanted to be involved in that walking path component of the park because that helps people come to the park and be more active. So it's a, an environmental change to the park that encourages physical activity. The creation of these sidewalks falls right during National Health Week, a week in which healthcare providers around Athens utilize to inform the public of steps they are taking to better the health 
of their residents. Um, you know, Public Health Week, uh, you know, it's sort of our opportunity here um, at the health department to, to uh, you know, bring public health to the forefront. And it, and it really, um, you know, over the last three years has been pretty significant, you know. The sidewalks also help with accessibility for things like strollers and people in wheelchairs. After one young lady, who's a high school student who said that it is much easier to push her grandmother in the wheelchair around the park now because it used to just be, you know, grass, which is not easy to push wheels on. Some other additions to the park include adult exercise equipment as well as water bottle filling stations. They will continue to make improvements throughout the whole village of Gloucester through 2023. The future of Greenfees at Ohio University could have an impact on the school's students. Outlet producer Taylor Burnett sits down with Post reporter Liz Parsh to discuss how the fees could change campus priorities. So a green fee is a fee attached to tuition that acts as a revolving fund to finance sustainability projects on campus. So talk of a green fee at Ohio University started back in 2016 with Christine Blazer who is an OU alumni, as well as a previous graduate assistant at the Office of Sustainability. And as a graduate assistant in the Office of Sustainability, she would work on diff in implementing different projects, such as food waste management, recycling. But during her time there, she felt like she was limited as a student with how she could produce and implement projects because of a lack of funding. So her and a bunch of other students came up with the idea of a green fee. And it would be an opt-in, opt-out green fee where students could pitch $5 every semester to be able to finance sustainability projects on campus. She envisioned that this would produce up to $100,000 each semester for projects. However, when it got to the Board of Regents back in 2016, at the time, they felt that tuition was increasing and they were concerned how a fee would look to students and, pa students and parents if they added on that fee as well as they didn't like this, the word fee associated with it. So what is happening on campus now with advocacy for green fees? Currently, Caden Hibbs, who is a sophomore student in economics and is also the environmental commissioner at the Student Senate, he is working on a green fee at the moment. Right now, he's just trying to gauge students' opinions. He's putting together a survey to kind of gauge whether students on campus really feel there is a need for a green fee. And his idea of doing this is to really show the university that, oh, if the survey comes back positive and students do want it, oh, then, you know, this is something important that we need to implement on campus. So he's using that as an argument to have the green fee, and that's what he's currently working towards now. The need for a green fee is because at Ohio University in the Office of Sustainability, there is zero budgeting for projects on campus. About 96% of the budgeting goes to salaries, and the remaining 4 to 5% go to things like awards and recognitions, scholarships, special events, educational opportunities. So there really is no room for projects and other things like that. The need for a green fee really is because there is zero funding at the Office of Sustainability allocated for projects on campus. At the moment, 96% of their budget goes to salaries, and the remaining 4 to 5% go to things like awards and recognitions, scholarships, educational events, and other things. So as you can see, there really is no funding at all for students who want to implement projects. Since 2021, their budget has increased by about 9,000%, but the Office of Sustainability still hasn't set up a green fee. In their 2021 implementation plan, they've mentioned that that is one of their goals. 
The director of energy and management, Elaine Goetz, has looked into rebate programs in oil and gas utilities the university is using at the moment that could establish this green fee or a sustainability revolving fund, but that is still yet to happen. So how are students currently funding the sustainability projects that we see around campus from time to time? That's an interesting question because it is, it is very complicated. At the moment, Lily Schaefer, she is a current environmental student working on a bee pollinator project for a Sam Crow's sustainability implementation class. There, she's really exhausted her options at this point. She's looked into grant funding through the Dean's Fund at the Honor Sartorial College. However, that money isn't really put aside for particular things like sustainability. It's for anybody to utilize. She didn't seem very likely or positive that she would get it. She's looked into other grant funding, but the other grant funding takes a while to come in. And a lot of the funding at that point wouldn't come in until May when her project would have already needed to be done by the end of the semester. So at the moment, she is having a little bit of trouble and she, she thinks she may have to fund it on her own. That was Liz Parch from The Post. This segment is part of a collaboration between Ohio University's longest-running independent student-run newspaper and WOUB Public Media. The reporting was done by The Post, and the audio is brought to you by the production team at WOUB. To read Liz's full story, visit thepostathens.com slash specialprojects. The Athens International Film Festival celebrates 50 years of giving a voice to underground artists from all over the world. WAB reporter Peyton Simchek has more on this year's festival. The Athens Cinema screens over 200 diverse films from nearly 50 countries. For 50 years, the festival has been showcasing the work of underrepresented artists. Assistant programmer Josh Veith says it's a part of their legacy to show films that don't often have an outlet. So our reputation is we'll show all the all the stuff that um, is not mainstream, goes under the radar most of the time. Festival staff member Michael Salter says often the films selected are a reflection of what is happening in the world. Any good art of the moment is kind of a barometer of the culture. It shows what people should be caring about. One of the films, Wiley's Last Resort, tells the story of one man's fight to celebrate Appalachian culture and protect the land he loves. Co-director Evan Miscagney hopes this resonates with people in the region. Uh, hopefully it will just expose people to a person they may have not known about or a place they may not know about. You know, Wiley's Last Resort is a an amazing place, you know, in the heart of Appalachia. Co-director Sean Lynn says they put together something special and relevant. You know, this world is full of stories. And many people deserve their stories to be told. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Peyton Simchek in Athens. A project to rebuild historical buildings is closer to reality in Athens thanks to the Appalachian Community Grant. WAB reporter Jensen Neck has more. in Appalachia Project has received a grant of more than $17.6 million to rehabilitate six historic buildings in the Athens community. The grant given by the Appalachian Community Grant Program will help revitalize 80,000 square feet of downtown space. The Coshocton Collaborative, the Athens Armory, the Somerset Builders Club, the Logan Theater, the Hawking Hills Children's Museum, and the Hawking Hills Chamber are all buildings that will be included in this project. By being able to renovate and rehabilitate these historical buildings, it will allow for new personal and business opportunities. Trace Johnson, member of the Somerset Builders Club, says the renovations will have an impact on the Somerset community. 
The project will be adding a series of displays in some of the buildings being rehabilitated that will showcase Athens County history and heritage. The project is anticipated to begin in the next 90 days. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Jensen Neck in Athens. Serenity Grove is a nonprofit organization helping women who struggle with a substance use disorder. WAB reporter Lexi Lepoff speaks to one woman who credits her active recovery to Serenity Grove. At 42 years old, Charity Whitcraft is working her first full-time job at Passionworks Studios, helping transform sheets of metal into works of art. This is kind of the first job that I've worked and had for um, longer than a few months, a couple months. In and out of foster homes, Whitcraft's upbringing made routine instability a stranger. Her substance use disorder began at just 15 years old, leading to poor choices and legal troubles. I was still real depressed, real depressed and didn't know where I was going from there. But all of that changed when Whitcraft found Serenity Grove. My recovery really, really started when I got to Serenity Grove. <laughs> They've saved my life. They have gave me a life. The nonprofit provides a safe home for active recovery for up to five women. It is in the process of expanding so it can house up to eight. The group helps women attend recovery meetings, apply for jobs, and get connected with any resource they need. They didn't set out to become an alcoholic or an addict. Director Betsy Anderson works closely with women like Whitcraft every day. She keeps operations running and says the key is empathy. A person who suffers from substance use disorder is many, many more things in addition. So I think looking past the labels that we tend to put on people. Whitcraft says Anderson was a vital part of her journey. Betsy was good as gold. Like she was so good, to, so good. Like there's times that I don't know how she... But she did. She put up and uh, didn't kick me out like, you know, um, when there's times that I probably should have been. Whitcraft came to Serenity Grove in fall of 2021 and moved out into her own apartment two weeks ago. She has been in active recovery for two and a half years. I'm hopeful. I am very hopeful. Life is um, so <laughs> it's good today. It's good. The summer heat seems to have reached Athens early. Outlet producer Taylor Burnett sits down with WEB lead weather forecaster Aaron Ashley to talk the rising temperature in southeast Ohio. Seems like every day this week we've been lucky with the weather, reaching almost 80 degrees here in Athens on Thursday. Though lead forecaster Aaron Ashley says this maybe isn't such a good thing. Is that right, Aaron? Yeah, Taylor, contrary to popular belief, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Days like today and days we've seen earlier this week are what the National Weather Service considered to be favorable for fire weather. So we all love a day where you don't feel the humidity in the air, and we even welcome the idea of, you know, a nice slight breeze. Uh, but the lack of moisture and those winds, those are the two key factors for outdoor fires to spread. Yeah, and Ohio state law says that it is prohibited to burn between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. anyways. Why is this? 
Well, so Ohio state law says that in March, April, and May in the spring, and then again in October and November in the fall, burning is prohibited. This is because all the plants are either starting to die because of the impending winter season, or they're already dead because winter had just passed. So you've got to consider that, but then you also have to consider how weather conditions are, they're generally breezier during these months anyways. Yeah, especially in an area like southeastern Ohio, where there are where a lot of the area is covered in agriculture and forestry, sounds like what someone might consider fun and games might seriously become a threat to what's around us. And I'm not saying don't go outside and enjoy it. Oh my gosh, it's just stunning outside. There are just ways to do it that don't involve open flame. I know personally, my friends and I have taken two long walks down the bike trail, though again, with this really nice weather, another thing you have to consider is sunburn, so definitely break out the SPF. You'll definitely need your sunglasses as well. That was lead forecaster, Aaron Ashley. Ohio University softball's 10-game win streak is over after a loss to Central Michigan. Assistant Sports Director Marie Manessi joins us now to talk Bobcat baseball and softball. We had a bunch going on this weekend. We had a bunch going on today, and then we had a bunch going on yesterday as well. So let's talk about the weekend first. What was baseball like? Yeah, so baseball traveled to Toledo. Um, They got the back-to-back series sweeps for the first time since 2010. Big for them as right now they set at 11-4, which is their best MAC record through 15 games since 2012. So obviously the past two weekends have been really big for them, and it was their first sweep against Toledo since 2003. So yeah, just a well-put-together weekend for them on the road. And then they came back home and played Marshall on Tuesday which they lost 8-6. to six. They had tried to mount a comeback, but they came up short. Ohio's really struggled in the non-conference games this season. I think a lot of it has to do with what Craig, head coach Craig Moore said is pitching. Just they use a lot of the pitchers on the weekend, and during the week they, try, they can't necessarily utilize all those pitchers again, so they try and switch things up. But that really hasn't gone in their favor as of late. But in the MAC, they're kind of on fire, like I mentioned before. 11 and 4 but yeah the midweek games they've kind of struggled so far with but doing really well in conference gameplay yeah and the, what are some of the upcoming games for the baseball team yeah so a big series with Miami this weekend obviously battle of the bricks always big especially to have that here in Athens um, should be a good weekend for that they currently sit at third in the max standings right now so um, a big weekend against Miami could really shift things up especially with the rivalry getting those big wins Um, But it would be really interesting just to see how that will kind of take place in the standings because if they do well this weekend, that could bump them up um, a place or even two. Yeah, and then to switch things over to softball, what was their weekend series like? Yeah, so softball hit the road with a 10-game win streak to play at Central Michigan, and they lost two or three of those games. They kind of struggled in those first couple of games just on the road and they finally got a win in the third game and they still sit in first place in the max standings with a 13 and four record they still 
done really well this weekend and they kind of brought even though they didn't do the best over the weekend at Central Michigan they kind of um, got it back together against Kent State who they played and made a comeback got a comeback win three to two um, back home and then really carried that into their second game of the series where they won 16 to two they scored 13 runs in the first inning alone which was super impressive just kind of shows how this team can really hit the ball and their chemistry flowing but that's that's a big first inning for them but a 16 to 2 victory was also huge in that second game against Kent State of course and then what are some of the upcoming games for softball as well yeah so softball has to kind of quickly turn things around as they play back on the road against Northern Illinois this weekend they have a three-game series there so back hitting the road but hopefully kind of this momentum from the series with Kent State can kind of carry into this weekend because they've done really well in conference gameplay so far. Yeah, and then the transition back to baseball real quick. If the baseball team is able to do good in this series against Miami, what are some of the possible outcomes for their standings after that weekend? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, Ohio has an 11-4 conference record right now. And they sit behind Kent State, who is 9-3 in conference and has a series this weekend at home against Akron. And then Ball State has a 10-2 record in the MAC, and this weekend they travel to Central Michigan. So if Ohio can pull out a series sweep and possibly have some losses from Ball State and Kent State, they could move up either one or two places. So it would be really interesting to see how, if, this big, if they have a big weekend at home, kind of can shift things for the future. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. This week's edition of The Outlet was produced by me, assistant producer, Caleb McCleskey. Taylor Burnett is our producer. We're edited by Atish Baidia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Enjoy our show? Tell a friend to give us a listen. They can subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts, or find us online at WOUB. .org. They can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore WOUB and Instagram at newswatch underscore WOUB. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio.